Welcome to Season 6 of Farm Trainers Podcast, Episode 17, published on December 26, 2023. Hope everyone had a good Christmas and uh, upcoming New Year coming up. We are part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts. Check them out. If you have a chance, want more great 2A kind of content on all different kinds of subjects. In this episode, we're talking about something special with Brighton Berg about industry terms that not everyone especially including new students, might be aware of. Help us get to more instructors and more of the 2A community by rating us in your most favorite podcast app and sharing our content with other instructors and other enthusiasts. Now sit back and relax. You'll be listening to another episode of the Fireman Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fireman's Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Remember, you worked hard to get where you are today. You want to have the insurance and the backing of the FTA in case something unthinkable happens at your class. And remember, as podcast listeners, you can get 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago. And now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast support to the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Brian Berg from Ministry of Defense Training in Idaho. Welcome, Brian, and thank you for taking time to be on the podcast to educate our listeners. Good evening, Rob. Thank you very much for having me. This is a treat. Yes. Well, before we jump into today's topic, uh, can you give, a, give our audience a little bit of who Brian Berg is and what Ministry of Defense is all about? Yeah, so I'm an Idaho native. Uh, in about 2019, I finally got some some real training after, uh, you know, taking a couple of local concealed carry classes and things. And um, I just realized how much, you know, the the phrase became uh, apparent to me, the, the meaning of the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. And I realized that I've been living for essentially 20 years feeling like, hey, I got my plastic laminated card. I know how to keep myself safe, keep my kids safe. Uh, and I suddenly realized I was just grossly unprepared. And um, on the way back from that particular training, I pretty much committed to the idea that I needed to uh, uh, not only continue to study myself, but also to help other people have uh, better options for for training uh, here in the area. And I think that's not at all a, a criticism of the Boise area at this point, but I think uh, I, I think training has come a long way, and, and I'm trying to be a, a part of that in the in the constructive. Uh, uh, direction to make sure people get good training instead of just the overconfidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think today's topic, uh, when we're talking about terminology is, uh, you know, really important because as you said, you didn't realize what you didn't know. 
Yeah. And that's really easy for people to think that they know everything until they venture into something different. You know, they yes. start in revolver and they go to go to a pistol or they go from a, a single action, uh, pistol like a 1911 and they move over to a, to a Glock, you know, a striker fire, or they go from a striker fire, they go into a double action, single action, you know, kind of like the SIGs and the, and the bread is, and that's where today's topic kind of came in because I was talking, uh, with, uh, Jacob Paulson at the, you can still carry expo in, uh, this summer. And the one thing that was so interesting about it was he was there and he was selling holsters and there were people that were asking him about some of the basic terminology that you or I might go along and say, well, you know, dud, why wouldn't you know that? But the light bulb came on when I was talking to Jake about this, that there's a lot of things where we just throw them around and expect everybody to know what we're talking about what it is and what it isn't all at the same time. And that's where I'm glad you can come on tonight to talk about that because there are some important things in the gun industry that we need to define and make sure that we and our students are all on the same page about. Yeah, you're right. And and I think it's, it, it's not only about comprehension. It, it's also, I think, I think there's a lot of just plain fear out there. People don't want to train because they're afraid of not knowing what EDC stands for or something like that. And uh, they don't, you know, some of them are, comfortable raising their hand, but some of them are in intimidated enough by the gun topic to begin with, uh, that maybe they just kind of shy away. And so I think, I think, you know, the more we can clarify and kind of normalize the terms that we use and uh, bring people into that understanding, I think the better off we're all going to be. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And there are some definite terms. Um, the first two I'll kind of throw out that, um, it were the ones that Jacob and I started talking about is claw and wedge when, it, and these, uh, refer to specifically an appendix holster and the claw helps to go along and pull the holster in closer to your waistline. And at the same time, the wedge helps to push it, push it out and away from your groin. So the muzzle isn't pointing at your groin quite as much. And those are two things that when you've got an appendix holster, you definitely want to look into because, uh, if you don't, it might be very uncomfortable. But if you add uh, a claw or add a wedge to it, the claw helps to make it more concealable. Wedge helps make it more comfortable for you all the way around. Yeah, I've been uh, uh, looking into that myself. I just got a, a, a Springfield Hellcat Pro on a really nice little uh, kind of a Black Friday deal at a local store, and I need a holster for it. And so I've been um, been trying to learn some of that material myself and some of the terms and the different, you know, uh, manufacturing techniques and designs and things that go into the claw and the holster, just like you're saying. And I tend to carry it about four o'clock, so it's maybe not quite as relevant for me, but I think the claw will have a lot to do with, with, uh, with my next selection. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's important to know. And like you said, the, the concealability for me is maybe the, the main factor. I tend to be pretty comfortable with the gun that I have in the holster that I have and the clothing and belt that I have. But, uh, but I don't like that the, uh, you know, the, the end of the magazine will, kind of prints through my shirt a little bit. So I'm hoping to get a better option. And and like you're saying, knowing that that terminology can help me get better results. Definitely. When you, you know, when you're ordering or when you're in the store and you're looking at holsters and somebody says, well, you know, do you want a claw with that? You realize that they're not talking about bear claw, you know, that you, yeah. they're going to, you know, Danish that they're going to give you. Um, the golf store, talking, the wedge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, those types of things. It's uh it's one of those, it's a add on to the holster to make it more comfortable and more concealable. Well, what, what do you have? What, what's one of the terms that you have? Oh, let's see. Uh, I mean, I, I have a number of them. Let's go with, um, 
How about EDC? That's one that I have heard people use in class and I, I use it in class and I'm very careful to stop. And I, and instead of just telling people what it is, I invite, usually I invite people to raise their hand if they know what it is. And uh, yeah. so we can have a little interaction at that yeah. point, but uh, that's an important yeah. one. We, we can tend to fly th right through that one and, and alienate people. Yeah. EDC is one of those TLAs, three letter yeah. acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> and the, th and the thing about it is, is EDC. And I'm sure most of the people are like, that means everyday carry, but also too, if you're talking to a new shooter, talking to somebody in a new class, they may not realize that you've got an everyday carry gun, and then you may have a range gun and uh -huh. those might be the same. They might be different. And again, it might be similar gear or it could be the same gear. And that's uh -huh. where making sure people realize if you tell people to say, you know, leave your EDC gear in the car and bring your range gear. Okay. Right. What, what does that mean for me? Yeah. Oh, yep. Those, those are, those are uh, some definite, uh, definitions that as an instructor, you want to make sure your students understand or else you're, they're going to go along and say, I went to the store and tried to find EDC ammo, but they couldn't, but they said they yeah. didn't have any by that brand. Yeah. And now you've, in, instead of creating an opportunity for them to succeed and to learn something, you've created an opportunity for them to feel shame and embarrassment and and alienation and, and disconnection from, you know, the whole purpose of what we're trying to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, here's, here's one that I threw out and I realized, uh, you know, when you're doing talking new shooters, sometimes they don't quite understand force on force. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I first said force on forces, ladies went along, and looked at me and it's like, there's no way in the world I'm trying to, I'm going to go along and wrestle you. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on a minute. We're talking about using <laughs> non-lethal rounds, um, something like airsoft, something like um, uh, simunitions, but from the standpoint of being able to go through and have that same adrenaline rush in a protected environment so you can feel what it's like and how you would react in those kind of specific situations. You know, if you were at a convenience store, the person in front of you, you know, pulled a gun on the cashier, what would you do? It's really easy to go along and watch a movie and say, Hey, I, sure. you know, I would do this and you know, I would John wick that, you know, it would be really easy. It's a whole nother situation when you're trying to go along and determine exactly what went on and why it went on and how to, how to deal with it when it's happening within arm's length to you. And that's where, you know, I go along and I tell people, you know, it's great to take classes, uh, and highly encourage it. But once you take a, a force on force class, those class, those training classes really become more relevant because it's like, wow, that happened so fast, so close. And I was, you know, felt like I was so slow, um, but I was on target. Those are all things you're going to be asking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've never had any, any opportunity to do well. I, I haven't made opportunity for myself to do force on force yet, but, uh, a little, little quick story. My kiddo gets to hear all of my rehearsals for class and all the, you know, mutterings to myself as I'm, you know, compiling ideas and things, but, um, but he's a, he's a, getting to be a good gun handler. He's 10. And so I gave him one of my red guns and we played a game where even in the house, in our house, where we both know all the corners, all the hiding places, one of us would go in and hide and the other one would come in from the garage and we'd have to, you know, move through the house, uh, in a kind of force on force fashion. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, even, even if I know my own house, uh, when my kid was hiding, he always had the advantage and I would never have learned that if it uh, if it were not for that that drill if he's set up and ready for me in ambush boy that's a tough thing to overcome and yep. uh so yeah the force on force thing is is a a term that people should learn and and some training that, that people should seek for sure
Yeah. And it's also one of those things when you force on force and you talk about, you know, going into even your own house, how difficult it can be to um, persevere in a situation like that, because you are at a complete disadvantage. There are, you know, SWAT teams, military, uh, you know, police, they go through lots and lots and lots of training. And the reason is because they're at such a disadvantage. They really have to know what they're doing and how they're doing it. And even then, it's not a hundred percent, you know, they, you know, they'll tell you, you know, there's yeah. a 50, 50 chance that they could potentially get shot. Now, you know, they're doing it because mm-hmm. they're doing a hostage, hostage rescue or different things like that. And that's why I always go along and recommend my students. If you're in a safe room in your house and there's no reason for you to move, stay there and let the police, you know, earn their money yeah. and clear yeah. the rest of your house. Because if you go and, you know, uh, I'm going to clear and make sure that they're not anywhere around all they got to be doing is being in a dark corner and you have like no way of knowing they're there until they start shooting and that's a bad time to to have that realization yeah yeah it's it's i mean we love it for the entertainment value but as an instructor and and a you know a person who who values this stuff in 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 the real world you know the the horror movies where gosh there was a sound outside maybe i'll go outside and check it out it it there's it just doesn't work out for <laughs> real people with you know <laughs> breath in their nostrils and blood in their in their veins uh it doesn't work out very well and uh yep yeah i won't get into hollywood right now but uh yeah it's uh yeah i don't, I don't trust important to get good stuff good yeah well brian what's another term you've got um so yeah a lot of them are, are the acronyms um so you talked about automatic and semi-automatic um I, I will give you my little take on that and that is um i think i mean i understand like you said, the kind of the the time slice sort of, um, you know, the evolution of that term over time. Um, I think at this point, I'm pretty careful with my classes to uh, to define semi-automatic as, you know, your typical uh, most common firearm in the United States. And then the the, the automatics are the full autos, uh, you know, you hold the trigger down and press until the, you know, barrel melts, you run out of ammo or the ATF shows up or whatever. Um, but uh yeah, and the reason for that is that I think um, with the way that that gets used in the media, I think it's really important that we, uh, not that we, you know, dismiss uh, or, or you know, look down on somebody like Masada, you, when he makes the the same uh, reference that you made in terms of automatic, but when the, when the media tries to call an AR-15 an automatic or a, you know, Glock 17 an automatic, we need to have a problem with that. And so I try to try to clarify what it actually means. And I, I feel like if I were to kind of do a man on the street sort of walk around kind of thing i i feel like i would probably find uh lots of people who uh man or you know or woman on the street i would find lots of people who who misinterpret that term just based on uh what they've been told by people who uh, have a certain agenda so mm-hmm. that that term is kind of important to me uh, to to clarify in class yep and uh i mean masada is, is a really good example he you know, started in the fire ministry back in the seventies as a police mm-hmm. officer. And you had two kinds of handguns. You had pistols, which were revolvers at the time. And you had automatics, which were your 1911s at the time that, and the, they called them automatics because they automatically loaded the next round in, mm-hmm. um, you could squeeze the trigger again and automatically load the next one in. Uh, they weren't machine pistols. They weren't machine guns, but at the same time as an industry, we've got to make sure that we realize that, you know, that we're calling them semi-automatics now revolvers. And then you've got the, uh, machine guns 
that, you know, when you depress the trigger, they fire until it runs out of ammo or until you mm -hmm. release the trigger, either one. And that's right. where it's, uh, can get very, very important to make sure people, uh, understand that because again, politics, the media, um, exploit the confusion around those, those kind of terms for sure. Mm -hmm. But here, here's one, uh, that is, is kind of common, but also not well understood by new, uh, shooters dry fire. Ooh, good one. Yeah. You know, dry fire, you know, what, what does that mean? You know I mean? Does that mean the gun's dry when, when you fire it? So you're, you don't have to worry about, you know, oil or water spraying out of it. And no, it's, you know, what you do with a gun when you know, when you've checked it, made sure it's unloaded and you press that trigger just to get practice pressing the trigger and mm -hmm. have committing that to muscle memory. Sometimes, you know, a like a revolver, you can qu keep squeezing that trigger and it'll keep cocking and firing and you could, you know, fire it as long as you want. And you get something like a, a Glock, a Springfield something along those lines, you may have to rack the slide in between, but the whole purpose behind dry firing is to go along and do something that helps with the muscle memory, but may not be as expensive as going along and firing off, um, you know, a 20, 30, 40 cents round of, uh, of pistol ammunition to shoot a target just to find out that you're slapping the trigger or you're, you're doing, you're pulling the trigger into one side or the other. Um, dry fire is a great way of going along and, making sure you're doing everything right sight stay on, on target yeah. without having the bang at the same time. Yeah, completely agreed. And you know, when something like COVID comes along or any of these, uh, scares along the way that, uh, prompt to run on, on ammunition or firearms too, uh, dry, dry practice becomes hugely important. I, I didn't even know the term until that, that training that I mentioned in 2019. And, and uh, I, I think, I mean, that's my understanding is that in about the last two decades or so dry practice has has really become a, uh, uh, very common as a, as a really useful, not only instructional tool, but a, a useful practice tool for people at home as well. And so that's a, that's a strong one. I like that. Yeah. As I understand it with, uh, the top competition shooters, mm -hmm. they'll spend as much time as 95% of the practice time doing dry fire. Yeah. Um, one, because they would be going through thousands of dollars of ammo a week if they were yep. doing it that way. And second of all, they realized that going along and squeezing the trigger, uh, consistently without moving the, the sights and different things like that, you don't need to have a big bang. You just want to make sure those muscles are pressing and squeezing properly for it. And then when you do put the, put the, uh, ammunition in there and does go bang, you've got a highly higher likelihood that you're going to stay on target because you've realized how to go along and hold that gun to make the sight stay as solid as possible for it. Well, and going back to what I was saying about how some people just approach firearms with a uh, kind of an onboard fear, um, dry practice is, is phenomenal. I, I built that into, I'm by no means unique in this, but uh, but I, I built that into my uh, training program so that everybody is comfortable with all the manipulations. I, I, I There are 20 things specifically that, that I teach each student before we ever load up a round. And the idea there is, you know, not only safety, of course, uh, and and not wasting rounds, but also, uh, again, for maybe the most fearful person in class is going to have a much better time if they go, oh, okay, I know what the parts of the gun are. I know how to stand. I know how to do all the, you know, fundamentals and, and operate the, the firearm uh, safely. And I, I've got a little bit of experience with that because what we do in the classroom or, or outdoor range, if this, you know, weather permits, uh, yeah, dry practice is, is a great tool for 
putting those people at ease and then a, a great tool for them after class to keep getting better. Mm -hmm, definitely. Well, what's your next one, Brian? Um, I got a, let's see, I'm going to kind of follow up on that a little bit. Um, press the trigger versus pull the trigger that has changed quite a little bit in the last, uh, I, I take it to be about 30 years. Um, I, I don't love the word press exactly to me. Pressing is pushing something away from you, but at the same time, it's, it's an awful lot better than pull. And, uh, so, uh, when somebody like Tom Gresham on his radio show, uh, says quite frequently press and say it like that. Yeah take your time. You don't have to rush the trigger while you're just kind of learning how to put a round on target in a beginner's class. And um, so I, I find that to be uh, very helpful versus pull, which, you know, has all the connotations of jerking and abruptness and uh, all the stuff that we're trying to help beginning students not do. Um, so I like the, I like the, not only the press, but the press. I know, um, uh, oh, I'm forgetting her name. It'll come to me. Uh, is it Carrie Dudenho Dudenhofer, um, who was at the Guardian conference? I know one of the things people really appreciated about her was her cue for activating the gun, which was keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. And the idea is just slowly keep working the trigger until the gun goes puff. And, oh, that was easy. And mm -hmm. look, my round's right on target. So I like that distinction. I think that's a subtle one, uh, a, a good term to have. Uh, you know, I'm still looking for the right one that's not press, but uh, but I think press is better than pull, and especially with the, the context that I've discussed with you. But uh. mm -hmm. yep. Well, here's here's a term that I've got that um, you know again, uh, people have been around the industry for a while understand it, but new ones don't. Muzzling uh -huh. and making sure people realize that you know when you you know say muzzle or you're muzzling somebody that's not just like, Hey, you know, don't worry about it. It's one of those things. That's a major, you, you've broken one of the major safety rules there. Um, no matter what state the pistol's in, if you're muzzling somebody, that is a bad situation. And that's where it, good firearm handling dictates that a, if I see you doing something, I tell, you know, I'll tell you, watch the muzzle. Or if you see me do something, you tell me to watch the muzzle, because if we don't, catch each other we're setting ourselves up for a problem and a very bad problem with that somebody somebody potentially could get hurt or have a very you know big scare if something goes off and yeah. it's kind of pointed at your in your general direction just uh yeah not good yeah and that one's got a even a you know a, a disambiguation that's called for in in, in it because of you know it, it, there's the the muzzle meaning you know be cautious of where you're pointing the gun, but also there's a, you know, a lot of value in just going over the parts of a gun. And I had that as a kind of a category, we might say slide lock or slide release lever or, uh, you know, recoil spring or whatever, and not think twice about it. But that may be one where we tend to lose students if we don't cover that adequately in class um, or in our conversations or at the range mm -hmm. or whatever the context is. So yeah, parts of a gun generally would fit into that. And, and muzzle has kind of, kind of a uh, dual applicability under that, uh, uh, under that kind of a framework. Yeah. And it's one of those things I, I tell people in class to tell people when we get the range, um, you know, if, if they don't remember anything else, I say all, uh, all day when I'm training them is I want them to know where their muscles point at all times, because that's the business end. And if something goes wrong, you know, a, for some reason, the gun magically goes off. If it's pointed in a safe direction, not toward anybody else, anything along those lines, it's not that big of a deal. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, we can all look at Alec Baldwin. You know, you know if he would have mm-hmm. went along, had good muscle discipline, it wouldn't have mattered what happened to the gun because it would be in a safe direction. But he obviously was not handling gun properly. And unfortunately, you know, a young lady uh, paid the price for that. Yep. Yeah. In, in climbing, they talk about redundant protection. So uh, this is your ropes and, and, uh, oh, quick draws and bolts and whatever you're climbing with, uh, cams and various tools. And, and boy, you better have at least two in at all times because that's, you know, otherwise you're, you're, pinning your literally your life on one piece of equipment and it may or may not hold up so the rules are built the same the the four rules of firearm safety are built the same way redundant coverage you got to kind of break two of them to to have a problem but uh, of course best to do your dry practice and get in good habits of not breaking any of them yep yep that's good what else you have oh so there's a lot of uh different um well, I got a whole legal category here, but I, I, there's, there are a lot of different uh, uh, state terms for concealed carry permits, licenses. You got, uh, for example, in Idaho, we have the, in, uh, the the concealed weapons license (CWL). We have the enhanced concealed weapons license, which is a little requires a little more training, a little more broad uh, coverage in other states, reciprocity wise, which is another one, reciprocity. Um, but then you get, you know, like Texas, I believe, has a license to carry, and I think Oregon has a is it a concealed pistol license? Anyway, the, yeah. every state seems to, there seem to be as many, you know, permutations of various initials and terms. And some of them, you know, include knives and other, you know, sharp or blunt instruments and, and some just include pistols. And uh, so it's just kind of interesting to see uh, on say a, a national kind of, um, you know, uh, web page or whatever about, about different, carry permits, you know, just the, all the different terminology you run into, which I suppose could be dizzying to uh, somebody who just wants their permit or whatever term they use. Uh, but I think it's worth um, trying to be as clear as we can and helping them understand, you know, here is what our state calls it. Here's what maybe your next door state calls it um, here and go into some of the reciprocity. And, and I, I think it's important to point out, um, you know, that, that not all quote unquote concealed weapons permits or licenses uh, do include things like knives or, you know, stun guns or whatever. So, uh, so I try to be clear with that terminology in my class. Yep. You know, we, we all teach CCW classes, but to your point, some of our license to carry in Ohio, we call it a concealed, uh, pistol license because you can only conceal a pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, within spitting distance of Kentucky and they've got a concealed mm-hmm. carry dangerous weapon permit. So oh, okay. basically you can carry anything you want to, you know, short barrel, uh, rifle, shotguns, uh, C4 hand grenades under, underneath your coat without any problem at all. And mm-hmm. that's where, you know, as I caution people is realizing, you know, if you're an, if you're an Ohio resident, uh, you can do certain things, uh, in Ohio and you're good in Kentucky, but if you go down to Kentucky and you decide to carry a rifle underneath your jacket because it mm-hmm. happens to be um uh we don't call it raining while you're hunting or something else like that i mean it's you uh, know hey you know who wants who wants to get their gun all wet that's yeah. fine but as soon as you co- come to ohio you got to realize that ohio law only recognizes having a pistol concealed so if you have a rifle shotgun concealed uh you could get in trouble you know if you're out hunting or yeah. if you if you if it's not visible and you're just you know driving driving around even uh, even from the standpoint of being having your car uh, in Ohio we've got constitutional carry you can have your pistol loaded but you can't have your rifle or shotgun loaded 
very, yeah. confu- very confusing at times when it comes to those types of things. And again, um, you know, if you decide to go cross country, then you're going to be looking at each state to figure out, okay, what, the, what do they allow? What do I need? What do, how do I have to transport it properly? Yeah. All those things uh, become There's quite a bit reciprocity. more complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of them are real simple. And some of them are real yeah. difficult. And like between Ohio and Idaho, we have Illinois. Uh-huh. They make things really difficult. They do. Yeah. And, those, and that's just one of those things where you've got to really, uh, um, you know, be on, be on the ball when it comes yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while we're in the, in the legal realm, uh, people need to have a pretty clear understanding of castle doctrine and stand your ground. Uh, which I, I guess really stem from a, a uh, an overarching term, duty to retreat, which uh, I think there are eight states still, maybe uh, something like that, that, that uh, require a person to retreat before they act in self in, in you know violent self-defense of some sort. Um, so as I understand it, the simplest breakdown is that castle doctrine relieves you of your duty to retreat in your home. And even that can have some subtle definitions that, you know, I'll leave to the the attorneys to get into, but uh, then stand your ground essentially uh, is when you're kind of out and about. If you're in a place, you know, on a public sidewalk or in the park or something like that, and somebody comes up and says, hey, man, I'm going to, you know, you get, you get a problem one way or another, uh, uh, stand your ground relieves you of your legal obligation to retreat. Uh, now, you know, there are some instances in which that doesn't necessarily play out in the courtroom favorably, if even if you're totally in line with what I've just said. But, uh, uh, but yeah, terms worth, you know, worth understanding for sure. And, and the media, again, like to have a circus around that one so that it sounds as dangerous as mu- as possible to make my day laws and things like that. Uh, lots of lots of nasty labeling on the other side, too. So, um, yep. Well, and that's yeah. where, you know, stand your ground, uh, cast doctrine, legal concepts and for the most part, they're the same in all you know fifty states. But sometimes, and you can find out uh, find more on this from Andrew Bronco with the Law of Self Defense. Mm-hmm. Some uh, some of those are codified to where it says right in the in the law about mm-hmm. uh, about senior ground or castle doctrine. Uh, other places, you got to go by the um, by how the how it's been interpreted by the courts. Um, California is one of those states that I know that they don't have necessarily have it have it called by name stand your ground or uh, castle doctrine but by uh, by the decisions of the courts there there's precedent setting that they do you know support the uh, castle doctrine stand your ground there and those are things where you've got to know and understand the differences and realize that just because somebody where a stand your ground state doesn't necessarily mean the stand your ground in ohio is the same as stand your ground on idaho or texas right. or alaska you know those types of things yeah, in some states, as I understand it, uh, assuming you're complying with uh, or you're you know, within the, the the protection of stand your ground or or uh, castle doctrine, uh, you can't. You're not even subject to to uh, to, to trial. Uh, like it's mm-hmm. a it's a uh, I can't remember the you know legal term for it, but essentially you're you're uh, exonerated before before charges before it even goes to a grand jury, perhaps and. Um, so, whereas in other places you have to prove that in the long, vigorous, expensive, horrible, awful trial process, and <laughs> you know, then jury instructions are another matter too. So it's it's yep, uh, exactly yeah yep yep. Well, here's my next term that uh, we'll probably have some conversation on: clip and magazine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because let's put it this way: you know, how many people have heard somebody in a movie or even somebody on the gun range 
go along, you know, say, you know, hand me a clip, load it, you know, so they can load it in the gun. And as I try to go along and educate people, a, a firearm clip just holds rounds together. Um, one of the most uh, common clip that you'll find in the firearm industry is an M1 clip. And what that does is it holds the five rounds together. You slap it down into the action. And then there's a spring inside the gun that forces those rounds up out of the clip. And when the, and when the last round's fired, the clip pops out of the gun. That's where, huh. if you, if you know some of the World War II yeah. uh, stories, the Germans would always wait for to hear the click or, uh, of the, uh, of the clip, uh, going along and popping out before they would try to rush the American positions. And that's because it was when they knew they heard that little click from the clip popping out that it would be safe for them to rush or they would have an extra, you know, five seconds before the Americans right. could load again. Um, yeah. the Americans learned that really quick and figured out that they could go along and make the same sound. And then the Germans would rush them and they, uh, you know, would have the upper hand, but where a magazine magazines, a self-contained device that has the spring in it. Um, think about a Glock magazine or think about an AR, AR magazine and, or, uh, you got the spring in there and you load the rounds into them. And then once you load in the gun, that spring pushes it into the gun and then through the receiver, uh, and the action, it loads one, one round of ammunition after the, after the next round. So there's a, a big difference between magazine and clip, uh, for, it. but there are clips when it comes to firearms. Uh, although most of what we've got these days for your pistols and your rifles are considered magazines and not clips anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's when I include in my class just kind of as a, you know, if you want to be perfectly technically correct, I recommend this. And I, I'm all for, you know, trying to be true to, uh, you know, correct definitions of things. So so a, a similar one to me would be, you know, uh, well, several terms. We got bullet and we have uh, cartridge and we have projectile. You know, if you're into reloading, you might use projectile. If you're watching Hollywood, it's always going to be bullet. If you're you and me, it's probably a cartridge or maybe a round Uh as as for you know the 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 entire unit that you place into the chamber and which then you know combusts and you have your 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 projectile going down your bullet going down range so i try to try to just you know just just clarify that a little bit uh for students not not nag them about it but uh uh i, I think it's you know it's worth worth trying to trying to move the needle on that one a little bit kind of like with the magazine and clip thing so i like that yep yeah there's uh again as instructors, we want to encourage your students to use the right terminologies to make sure that they're uh, not ambiguous about things. And, you know, bullets, the part of the projectile that goes down range. Um, yeah. And you got the case, you've got the ammunition there. Uh, but many times I've seen newspaper or news, uh, news stories where they'll talk about, you know, they, you know, they, criminal was caught with, you know, 17 bullets on him. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, you wow. know, it's <laughs> a bad day for the criminal. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> 17 cartridges or 17 bullets type of thing. And, and yeah. that's, uh, you know, it's one of those things when it comes to, uh, news media and such, I don't think we'll ever get them to use terminology properly and yeah. that'll drive us crazy. But we, as instructors can educate our students to make sure they realize that, Hey, this is you know, how things should be referred to and how to yeah. go along and properly describe things so that people, people who are in the, 
that know, understand what you're talking about versus going along and saying, ah, you know, they had a box of 50 bullets. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, was that 50 bullets, the projectiles, or was that 50 cartridges, you know, with bullets in the end of them? Well, and, and, and there's another another realm in which that gets tricky, and that is if you try, you know, if you are a, a hand loader or a reloader, and you try to find the projectiles for your loads, you go online, you look up, you know, uh, I don't know, nine uh, millimeter Luger bullets, and you're going to get all kinds of loaded ammunition mixed in with it. And uh, so, in fact, I think I haven't I haven't done much with the reloading thing in a little while, but uh, but I believe there's a term that kind of was born from that particular problem and i think it's i think it's bullets b-o-o-l-i-t uh i think it's s um and uh yeah they've, they've kind of created this this sort of uh um uh, offshoot term to to cr- try to clarify that <laughs> so disambiguate it yeah yeah <clears throat> yep. yep people try to do that well here, here's another term that i think is uh can be very uh confusing iwb owb Good. awb for inside the waistband, outside the waistband, and a Penix waistband uh, carry holsters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you use those as real short terms. Um, you know, when he goes along and says, okay, you know, we're going to go to the range and we want everybody to have an OWB. Uh-huh. And, but what? at the same time, you know, if you're going to be concealed carry and then you want IWB or AWB, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. or somebody might go along and say, you know, we don't allow AWB on our, on our range. Um, yeah. and you're like, okay, what does that mean for me? And that those terms are completely separate from the material, the holsters made out of, you can have a leather IWB, OWB, AWB, you can have Kydex, um, you can have, you know, a nylon, uh, one at that. And that's where you've got to go along, realize what kind of holster you have and make sure that you understand the three letter acronyms that they're throwing around and what they mean to you when you're going to training classes, when you're uh, carrying it to be concealed, or you're trying to purchase a new holster Mm -hmm. online and you see all these three letter acronyms and it's like, okay, which one do I really want? Well, that's where the big question of the day comes in and you've got to know which one are, are you really looking for? Right. And that's a great time for us to, not us, but, you know, for instructors to uh, uh, recognize they've reached the limit of their, you know, verbal capabilities. It's time to go into a demonstration or a, you know, a, a visual aid of some pictures of AWB uh, or AIWB, IWB, OWB, OBC would be another one, off body carry. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fanny packs and concealed carry purses, things like that. Um, so, yeah, that, that one I'm I'm very careful to pass around the items I show at, you know, I, I, well, uh, there's no live ammo allowed in my classrooms, but I also don't believe in creating a gun free zone. I'll say it that way. But, um, you know, at some point I'll, I'll show them what, what, uh, IWB looks like and pass around a couple of different styles of holsters. Cause it's, it's, it's a pretty complex top complex, uh, thing to visualize if you're not familiar with it. And so, um, yeah, so I think those are those are great ones Definitely. for people to uh, people to understand and, and for us to convey clearly. And and here's one of those, one thing I'll throw out there when we're throwing around these three letter acronyms, uh, especially when it comes to holsters. This is where the holster industry is currently. I would venture to say, give it two years, definitely five years, and there will be a different holster revolution that's out there. Currently, we're seeing a lot of people go with the appendix uh, waistband type of holsters but we could see out you know who knows where they're going to be carrying it next but the thing comes down to is we as instructors want 
we should want to stay up on what these trends are. We may not carry it that way, but we should know, know and understand, right. you know, red dots. We, you know, we should mm-hmm. understand, you know, uh, having uh, fiber optics. We should understand having lasers on our pistols. We should understand, you know, can you have a, you know, scope on a pistol and use it appropriately? And those are all different things to where, again, we may, it may not be our style to carry, but we should be informed well enough to be able to help our students, uh, you know, give them the information so they can make a decision for, for, for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Optics is a whole, whole separate category, the different sighting systems. Uh, I mean, even night sights, I think, you know, the night sights at least has something built in that's kind of intuitive about it. Oh, so it must have something to do with seeing at night, but, uh, you know, an RMR, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Tell me. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, lots, lots of different parts in the optics and, and sighting systems realm as well. I would say, you know, ambi controls would be something that people can kind of guess at a little bit, but they wouldn't understand it. And, uh, altogether, they wouldn't maybe understand the benefit of ambi controls, but mm-hmm. that can be really nice. My son is shooting lefty and I'm uh, starting to do a little bit of shopping and that's, uh, it's, it's helpful to, to know what ambi control means and, uh, and to be able to, you know, Google search that and ask for it in stores and, uh, put him on the, on, on the right track in some of those, um, uh, options that are out there. Yeah. And one thing when it comes to ambi control, realize that if you're looking at a pistol that five or 10 years old, they may not make ambi, you know, I know, you know, mm-hmm. I shoot Glock a lot and it wasn't until they came out with the gen fives that they had ambi controls, you know, yeah. for all that everything moves. Now you could always take the magazine release and move it to the other side. You had that since uh, the Gen 3s and Gen 4s, but you didn't have a way to go along and release the slide, you know, from the opposite side. And that's yeah. where Gen 5 allowed that. And a lot mm-hmm. of manufacturers are doing it that way uh, now because they've figured out it's like, wow, we've got a large population out there that is left-handed, and why not go along and just add a little bit to it so they so it works for both uh, left and right-handed people? Yeah, I think that's wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's another term you got there, Brian? Oh, I might do, uh, as I said, there are some terms that I, I like to kind of caution people about too. So we talked about, uh, uh, you know, automatic being, uh, used in a certain context. Uh, obviously assault weapon is a, is a part of terminology that means a certain thing. Well, I don't know if it does mean a certain thing, but it means a, 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 a uh, an undefined nebulous kind of concept that, uh, that, that is, you know, not to be liked by anybody, of course, if you're a good moral person and to you and me, it's a, you know, modern sporting rifle or, a uh, you know, it's just, just any, any semi-automatic rifle or semi-automatic handgun. And, uh, so I like to caution my students when they, uh, you know, when they hear that term they're they, they can, they can make some conclusions about, about what the expectation is in terms of how they will, uh, yeah. understand that term. Yeah. I, I try to educate them that, you know, for what they hear, it's a political term because the only assault weapons there are, are in the military. And when they're assaulting the beach or assaulting, you know, the enemy and such. And the whole point of it is to put as much lead down range as possible so they can overrun the enemy position, uh, from a civilian standpoint, there are no guns that are, you know, that you can buy that are like that. So when it comes down to it, we're just trying to it's a political term used that is supposed to scare people because in reality, the military is the only one that 
has those kind of you know yeah guns the assault that, rifle yeah you know running yeah it's and you know ar you know ar-15 that's not assault rifle that's you know ar stands for armalite and people you know should know and understand that and realize just how much the political side of things tries to instill fear in what they call and how they call it. You know, why do they call things high capacity magazines? Because if they go right. along Good. and they call it something, you know, a, you know, a standard, you know, magazine, it doesn't sound dangerous, but if it's high capacity right. magazine. Yeah. Ghost gun. Then it's gotta be something bad. Rifle Saturday night special. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the so other one that. Sorry. Oh, I, I was just, you know, when you start talking about sniper rifles and things like that, I always point out to people, if you know anybody who's a hunter, you know, ask them what, how far away they're, you know, shooting the deer, their elk, their, you know, bear, whatever, whatever they mm -hmm. go out and hunt for. And then you translate that into, uh, you know, how far away that really is. And you realize that most hunters, good hunters are shooting out a couple hundred yards, which is kind of the sweet spot for snipers as a whole. Yeah. So, and we don't have problems with, you know, hunters doing right. bad things. So, you know, when it comes down to it, they want to call something, you know, a sniper rifle. That's just because they want to, they want to go along and get a, get a certain reaction from people because it's no different than what, what a good, good elk rifle would be. Yeah. And, and that uh, in the, in the concept, uh, not exactly a term, but the concept of, you know, defensive weapons, defensive firearms, then you get, you know, the media telling you, well, you should just have a bolt action single shot, you know, 30 odd six or something that'll only go through seven or eight houses. And, you know, uh, that's perfectly safe. What do you need a, you know, a, a, uh, a 380 for with, with hollow points and, and it's, you know, well, if you studied or, up on this stuff, you might have some sense about why, what you recommend is it recommending is extraordinarily dangerous, <laughs> you know, whatever that's their thing, I guess. Yeah. Or around here. You know, we do a lot of deer hunting with uh, 12 gauge slugs. Uh -huh. And as I go along and tell people, I can tell you that if you hit a deer with a 12 gauge slug, it makes about a one inch hole. Uh -huh. And that, and it's a one ounce in a bullet that hits them, which is probably eight times heavier than a 30 odd six round hitting them. Yeah. Uh, it makes a big hole and, you know, it does a lot of damage. It's not going to shoot as far as a 30 odd six, but I've, Myself, I've shot out, I've shot a, sl a 12 gauge slug out to over 150 yards. That's a pretty good distance wow. there still. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And even, even, uh, just uh, throw one more into the, you know, the other, the other side, the, the mass shooting has, uh, recently, I think been given a number of definitions for the sake of, you know, I'm sure they would say it's to, uh, enhance the discussion or to, you know, uh, correct grievous you know, uh, misapplications of the term or whatever, but you know, the FBI still has a definition that, 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 uh, that means something and, and that measures certain things and that excludes certain, uh, certain things with some, some good reason. And so, uh, you know, you can, I, I don't know what the current numbers are. I think on what, by one count, we're up, we're over 400 mass shootings this year. And I think we're like, at, I don't know, thirties or in the thirties or something for by, by the, the conventional measure. So, you know, we gotta, gotta, gotta define our terms. Yep. And those, those are terms to where, you know, we've got mass shootings. And one of the things that boggles my mind about it is the media will report on that, but they 
report on it from the standpoint of that is, you know, gang shootings, that's, right. you know, domestic disputes have all these other things. Not to say that they're that shooting a bunch of people in those situations, anything different. But when right. you say that you've got a mass shooting, everybody's mind goes to a school at, you know, a shopping mall, you know, somebody yeah. at a place of work, those types yeah. of things. And when you go along and convolute that with, uh, gang shootings, gang retaliations with domestic mm -hmm. violence, uh, you don't get the right uh, perception. For yeah. It. And that, that's, that's because it's, that's been politicized to get a certain reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think my son and I are in any particular danger of getting, you know, retaliation from the gang I was in because I've never been in a gang. And again, that's not, not to say that, you know, that, that, that kind of violence to, is to be condoned or overlooked or anything else, but, uh, but in terms of kind of measuring the the risk to, you know, kind of ordinary folks, yeah, the gang stats don't have a whole lot to do with that um, when it's gang on gang anyway. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of like when, when they go along and uh, John Lott's a great person to follow with the oh, yeah. crime, crime research uh, prevention mm -hmm. center because he goes along and slices and dices the data. And if you took... I think it's like Houston, Chicago, New York, and LA out that the firearm deaths in the United States brings us down into like the 50th worldwide. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just mind boggling that you've got just a few cities that in a lot of cases, a lot of uh, gang violence that's going on and people are making decisions as if we can go along and create another law that will magically make the bad guys stop doing what they're doing. Yeah. And that's where it's like, it's, if you've, uh, as I always go along and say, if you've ever been a parent, you know, they go along just telling your kids not to do something doesn't work most of the time. <laughs> you've got to do something. They have to, the opposite effect. Yeah. You, you got to do something forbidden to fruit. <laughs> encourage them to follow the right path. Right. And that can, that can take a lot, lot of, uh, ways of doing things. And that's the, that's, that's the challenge that we have in society right now is how do you go along yeah. and get the criminals to follow the law because passing another law is not going to make them follow it. And that, that's, yeah. Yeah. Just one of those fun things. Yep. Uh, you have any, any other terms, Brian? Cause I'm at the end of my list. Okay. Um, let me take a quick look at some of my notes here. I think, um, I don't know that I, I think some of the crimes get, uh, get jumbled a little bit. We, you know, oh, I got robbed last night You know, I was away from my house for, for the evening and came home and my house had been robbed. Well, that's burglary. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's the legal lexicon, but it, you know, it, it also does matter because there's quite a difference between being charged with, uh, you know, manslaughter versus murder. And, you know, so I think it's important to kind of, uh, yeah. take the yeah. robbery and burglary are two different things. They are. Yeah. I would much rather be burgled than robbed. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, well, I think, I don't know, that might be really unsettling too, but, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, I sure would rather be facing, you know, uh, manslaughter charges than, than, than murder charges. And, and, uh, uh, so I think it's worth, worth trying to provide some clarification on that. And, and then the aggravated labeling, uh, on, on assault and battery, uh, versus simple assault, simple battery, uh, aggravated typically would imply, the use of a what's what's considered to be a deadly weapon and simple would be you know uh anything something else. like <laughs> yeah pretty much anything else yeah so uh i like i like to go over those uh and then i got a i got a fun um 
just an illustration of this. Well, I guess we 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 talk about Cooper's um color code of mental awareness too. Oh man, live in condition yellow. Well, great, thanks. <laughs> um what's that mean? Live live under a blue sky. Thanks. I don't know. You know, so uh, you know, it's worth worth going through those if we're gonna use them um in class. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, just for the, just for the fun, this is a little bit of a far-fetched example, but I don't know an old Woody Allen movie called take the money and run gets into, uh, you know, a mischievous, uh, uh, illustration of how important terminology is. He's a, he's a career criminal and he's really bad at it. So Woody Allen, uh, is the main character. He goes into the bank and he slides a note to the cashier and he says, uh, the cashier tries to read it and he can't read it, uh, cause it's, you know, illegible and. And uh, so Woody Allen says, uh, it says, it says, please put $50,000 into this bag and act natural. And he says, wait a minute. The, the teller says, what's a gub? No, no, no. I'm pointing a gun at you. Please put $50,000 into this bag. Uh, wait a minute. Come here. So he calls over another teller and they're having this big discussion. Does that look like a B or an N to you? The whole thing gets derailed because he's got a gub pointed at them instead of a gun. And. So then he gets sent up to the manager. He's in the manager's office, and now now it's the, the problem is uh, act natural, abd natural. It's abd natural. So very very far fetched, but a, a a fun thing to look up. I don't know if it's on YouTube or what, but uh, uh, you know gets it how how even even one little little letter or little misplaced detail in in the in the context of uh, something important can lead to uh, wild uh, or undesirable or humorous outcomes, and in our case, uh, sometimes dangerous outcomes. So worth being being careful. Yep, definitely. Well, hey, Brian, um, we've been asking all our guests this year on season six, what would you like to be remembered for when you pass away? Well, I think, uh, obviously, as a, as a single dad, I, I would like to uh, be remembered for finding ways to still be present for him um, as he grows up. I think that's, uh, you know, we can learn about that from, uh, yeah, from lots of news reports and things about young men who who don't have uh, a father who's involved so that's kind of my my first most important job and and if i fail at everything else but succeed at that that'll be great um and as an instructor i think um you know this is kind of the first calling that i've had and and it's and it's a little bit new i've been doing this for about 3 years um but i'm so i guess i'm i went a little bit to be determined in my case i guess but uh i think um at a minimum, I would like to be remembered for helping uh, kind of usher in uh, the next generation of of uh, of you know people who really believe in the Second Amendment, and it's not just believing in it and saying it and getting your NRA card and you know your concealed weapons license. It's you got to be practitioners. If if we aren't, um, I, I guess I've heard enough people say, "Well, the Second Amendment has failed us." Well, not really. We've failed to practice the Second Amendment, and away mm-hmm. go the benefits when we do that. So. Um, so that would be something I'd like to like to be remembered for in, in the context of my my uh, role as an instructor is is helping people understand that this is not about you know making it possible for me to be a tough guy. This is about defense against some really evil things that are never going away. And the Second Amendment needs to be here for always and forever. And we need to be uh, you know good stewards of that and good practitioners of the Second Amendment. Yeah, and and realize this is one thing I always tell people about the Second Amendment too. Second Amendment is there for law-abiding citizens to exercise their rights. Period. It doesn't protect criminals. It doesn't protect bad actors. Right. It doesn't do any of those. So quit trying to convolute the situation by going along saying that the people that commit mass murder, the people that go along rob people, those types of things, has anything to do with the Second Amendment. Those are criminals. Yeah. You know, yeah. the law-abiding citizens are the ones that are going out and 
protecting themselves against the criminals that are that are going out and exercising target shooting uh being in competition doing all the things that make america great yeah well brian where can people find more out about you and ministry of defense well, Ministry of Defense is located in Meridian, Idaho. So if anybody happens to be in this neck of the woods, I would love to uh, have you come to class. And I'm, I'm, as I said, I've been doing this about three years. So I'm uh, kind of building my class offerings, but trying to stay in my lane and make sure I have you know some expertise to offer in each of the classes uh, as I go. But I'm also kind of transitioning between websites. So uh, mod.training, short for Ministry of Defense, mod.training is the current one. And just about any day, well, in fact, uh, already you can go to the new one, which is, uh, I got to make sure I get this right, modguntraining.com. I've moved over to .com. So uh, modguntraining.com. Uh, that's my website. Uh, my contact information is on there. I'm happy to help with phone calls or emails or, uh, you know, whatever whatever people have. I am here to uh, to be a, a, a servant to those who want to learn and um, to do my best. So. Super. And these will be in the show notes as always, for those that want to go look look them up when they get, uh, when they get out of the car, it will be in the show notes. So Brian, I appreciate your time today. Um, I'm sure our listeners will have plenty of other additional terms that, uh, they should be, uh, you know, shared or defined to make sure everybody's talking about the same thing. But I think we've given a really good uh, perspective that there's a lot of these terms that we throw around that are three letter acronyms that, We just got to take a minute or two to make sure everybody's talking about the same thing. Yeah. Agreed. So thank you for your time. Thank you for letting me be here. I appreciate it, Rob. Uh, Have a good night. Thank you. You too. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found what we talked about interesting. And if you've got other industry terms that you hear people use that maybe aren't well known, uh, suggest go out to uh live fire what we talked about last week uh, we have a new group out there share it out there and start a conversation about what terms we need to be aware of acronyms things like that that will make us a little bit more uh approachable when it comes to our students and be a little bit more accurate when we are talking to uh people about specifics in the firearm industries if you're searching for other topics to help your business, feel free to go out and check out our website at firearmstrainerpodcast.com. We have a search option in the upper right-hand corner. You can search on everything from training women, training, uh, engaging minority communities to social media posts. Lots of information, and it's all there for you, free of charge. If you have questions or suggestions for me, you can reach me from our website or by emailing me at ftp at concealedcarry.com like to remind you, visit our sponsor, Special Farm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Establishing a business was your first step. Now, get FTA coverage and the backing from the FTA. Remember, use promo code FTP10 at checkout for 10% off on your policy. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every farm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone, and Happy New Year. Conceal Carry Inc. and ConcealCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.